Welcome to the Top 5 Chronicles, the adventures of Geordie Adam and the Silent Underdog podcast. I'm going to follow you. Yeah, that's too bad. Welcome listeners. Welcome to the Top 5 Chronicles. This is episode 3 of season 2. And like I said, the Top 5 Chronicles, the adventures of Geordie Adam and me, the silent underdog, Seven. Um, yeah, we've not done one of these for, for a bit, have we? What episode did you say it was? The podcast from... Are you there, Adam? Yeah. Are you at home Hello. today? Are you this from home or are you out and about, you know, about doing stuff? I'm at home today. Oh, interesting. Can you hear me okay? Because I know we normally have loads of technical issues with these podcasts and that, because um, being an old fellow, I'm not that technically adept, to be honest. No, no, we're all good. We're all good. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, you, you seem a little bit quiet, but we shall soldier on, kiddo. Check that To this week, bud. Uh, not a lot, really. Working, coaching, cinemaing. Oh, what have you been to see? Um, I went to see um, Downton Abbey. Shut up. And enjoyed it. Did you? Yeah. Yes, went, it's not really my cup of tea, mate, to be honest. I went to see the, the Nicolas Cage one as well. Oh, what's that called? The blah, 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 or blah, 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 that one. The unbearable weight of whatever. Yeah, it's really, it's, uh, I went to see that um, last week on Retard and it was really good, actually. Really? I didn't like it. Not, what do you not like about it? Um, I just found that, see, the plot was good, but I think Nicolas Cage found it difficult playing Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Which sounds bizarre. Actually, I didn't go and see it on my own. I went with Three Point. I went to see the, the Sandra Bullock thing on my own. That was it. The Lost City. Yeah, that one. What do you think? It is all right. Five out of ten. All right. Didn't yeah. hate it. Didn't like it. It was entertaining for the uh, best part of two hours. Yeah. Yeah, it's all right. See, it's funny that we've been talking about films there because that moves quite nicely into our theme for this week. It does, Adam. Shall I tell them what this week's theme yeah. is? I'll tell them. So, listeners, this week's theme is Fundamentally, what we want to look at is Jordi Adams and mine, uh, our favourite top five uh, individual film castings. So do you know the ones where you cast someone in a film and you're looking at, you're looking at it before you go into the film and say, this geezer cannot play that part or this lady cannot play that part. And then they pull it off in the huge way. <laughs> well, that's what we're looking at today. Um, so in light of that, and in view of the fact I've uh, I've been serving a lot recently, you can serve today, mate. Away you go. So, my number one film casting, um, yet again, is making an appearance on this podcast. And I have no shame in this reappearing once again. 
And it is Keanu Reeves as Sir John Wick. Um, I think, I think there are certain, there are certain roles that are synonymous with certain people. And if you try and imagine anyone else playing that role, it just would fall to pieces. And I think John Wick being played by Keanu Reeves is one of those roles, I think. I can't imagine anyone else being John Wick. What do you think? I would 100% agree with you. Um, do you know, like, if they decided to, uh, in 10 years' time, recast the role because Keanu is too old, it just wouldn't work. See, I think there, there, there are some roles that you can get away with it. James Bond, for example. You can get away with James Bond being several different people. But Keanu Reeves as John Wick, I kind of feel that John Wick is a fictitious version of Keanu Reeves. So in reality, he's just playing one of his own personalities, I think. Like yeah. I can, I can imagine, I can imagine Keanu Reeves doing some of the stuff that John Wick would do. Sometimes I think um, uh, Keanu lacks um, a bit of depth or the capability to play anything with any real depth in terms of any of the roles that he's done and the parts that he plays. But I think sometimes. Um, you just have to stick to what you're good at. So like John Wayne and Clint Eastwood have made um, careers and Sean Connery basically playing the same character. Yeah. And I think, I think Keanu Reeves with the exception of Bill and Ted, which is right funny when you were like a 20 odd year old man. Uh, when I saw that particular Bill and, De Bill and Ted's excellent adventure, it was good when I was like a 20 odd year old man. I watch it now and I think now, nah, boy, that's voodoo. <laughs> so, but John Wick is class. And, and there is a valid case for, in terms of entertainment, saying that the three John Wick films actually form the best film trilogy of uh, anything that's ever hit a cinema. And that is a bold claim. In terms of entertainment, you cannot beat them as a trilogy. I think the only one that could possibly push it would be the Godfather trilogy, but... I would say that the weakest film in the Godfather trilogy is weaker than any film in the John Wick trilogy. I okay. think Godfather 3 is a, a good film. The first two films are magnificent, but the third one is only okay, whereas I would say... I would say John Wick 3 is the best one. Parabellum? Yeah. That's the mad thing. Honestly, I can't... It's, it's rare that a series actually gets better as it goes through. Because when everyone watched the first one, you know, John Wick blew everyone's minds. And then you saw the second one and it did everyone's nothing. And then you watch the third one and you just need to be in a mental institution after you've watched that one in a cinema. It's mad. And mm. I just think as a trilogy, I cannot pick a, um, uh, a hole in it. Some people might say, oh, there's not that much dramatic depth to it and the character development's not uh, all it should be. Yeah, but when you come out, you were uh, entertained by that, those three films. Brilliant films. Yeah, can't see anyone else being John Wick and Keanu Reeves. 
Number two. Next number one. Two. So this one mm, might be a bit of a controversial one, I think. Go on, anybody. So for me, personally, and I know I, I know exactly your argument that you're going to come back with, but I'm going to throw it out there. Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker. Alright. Now a lot of people a lot of big people will be saying, nah, Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger. Cool. I get that. I understand that Heath Ledger was a was a, was an amazing joker. And in terms of in relation to Batman, yes he was. You know, like being in the same film as the Batman. I get that cool. However, as an independent film, like the Joker was, for me, Whacking Phoenix was unbelievable. Not just in his acting style, but the actual physical uh, transformation that he went through to 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 kind of play the role. Um, very meticulous in his, in his preparations for the film. Joaquin Phoenix is the Joker for me. Sorry, mate. Right then, so um, you've captured one of my five there, and I'm going to go down the Heath Ledger route, and um, I'll explain why when we get to it. And I, I wouldn't argue about, in, in, in the context of what we're talking about, and that's amazing film castings, Joaquin Phoenix was a brilliant choice to play that part. But I would believe that before that film, Joaquin Phoenix could play that part because I, I believe he is that good an actor and he has got the the acting skills and the dedication, perseverance and attention to detail to just make that part work because he's one of those guys that would do it. So uh, I agree with what you're saying. I don't think it was an amazing casting because he's one of the people that I would have looked at to play that particular part. So... I'm disagreeing with you, but agreeing with you, Adam, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Number three um, is a casting that I feel it's almost as if the character was written for the, the actor. Um, and that is Alan Rickman, the late, great Alan Rickman, is Severus Snape in Harry Potter. Um, again, I, I firmly believe that J.K. Rowling wrote Severus Snape with Alan Rickman in mind. Um, I kind of feel that Alan, Alan Rickman as Severus Snape. Do you remember uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves? I do. I kind of feel that Severus Snape is the older version of the Sheriff of Nottingham that Alan Rickman played. You mean just vexed all the time? Yeah. Um, again, one of those one of those actors that no matter what role he plays, he's gonna be amazing. But as Severus Snape, unbelievable. Like I say, I think I think the role was written for him. Yeah, do you know the bit that that really um, shows how good an actor um, Rickman was? was the, um, the bit where basically um, 
the backstory all comes out about him being in love with Potter's mum from when they were kids and all that sort yeah. of stuff. And um, how he how he plays the bit where basically you find out that really he's been going on like he's been against Dumbledore, but he's been playing with Dumbledore all along. And the way he plays that, the last few elements of his 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 his, his, his um, bits of the story, I just think that shows how good an actor Rickman is. And I think um, it was all, I agree with you, very Sheriff in Nottingham, most of the way through um, the first four, five, six films. But then in that particular film, that, that it was it the fifth film, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you see what a good actor that Rickman really is. Unbelievable casting. Unbelievable casting. I don't know if JK actually, you know, based Snape on Rickman. She might have. Uh, only she'll know, or whether she just had someone in her head and and, and Rickman made it or made that part his own. I yeah. don't know. But yeah, brilliant casting. Uh, and no one else could have done it better. Number number four. Um, and I kind of feel with this particular casting for me, um, there's a little bit of the actor in the character, if that makes sense. And that is uh, Sir Anthony Hopkins as Hannibal Lecter. Um, so obviously Hannibal Lecter is a very intelligent psychopath and Anthony Hopkins is a very intelligent actor. And the, the, they're just, there's just so I can't quite put my finger on it, but there's something about Anthony Hopkins playing Hannibal that nobody else could have done. Agreed. Does that make, does that make sense? Um, and that's, that's in the whole Hannibal Lecter film series. Um, and having read the books myself, uh, having seen the films, Anthony Hopkins is Hannibal Lecter, and Hannibal Lecter is Anthony Hopkins. If that makes sense. Yeah, um, and I think I think he's really good. Um, and I don't know how much input the author of the books had on uh, the mannerisms and and all the the, the little accessories. So the personality that um, Hopkins exposed, um, I don't know whether he made it made it his own or he was he was directed in that way. But uh, I remember when that film came out, everyone went mad for it. Um, I liked it anyway because I am a massive, massive Jodie Foster fan. I love that woman. Do you know what I mean? So I, I do always like Jodie Foster. I saw her in a film once. I only went to see it because it had a Miles Davis um, soundtrack. Because I love Miles Davis as well. He is a great man. Was a great man. Uh, called Siesta. And she was brilliant in that. And ever since then, forget all the Bugs and Malone thing. Because I hate that film. I think it's pants. Um, but everything else she's been in, Contact and all that. I really loved her in just about any film apart from Bugs and Malone. I've seen her in. Um, Inside Man. But that's the reason I went to see the film. Because uh, uh, Jodie Foster. But he stole it from me, Hopkins. He was magnificent in that film. As was Jodie. I think um, I think Anthony Hopkins has got that kind of calm personality that that, that fits the character that conveys nutsness. Yeah. 
so number five, I've just recently, as we've been talking, Lewis, changed my number five. Yeah, typical. Now, yeah. Now, I don't think you're going to have this one. So my number five, I'm going with Tom Hardy as both Ronnie and Reggie Cray in the film Legend. You love that film. You never stop talking about that film. I've not seen it, you know. It's unbelievable. It's fantastic. It's very. It's an autobiographical film about obviously Ronnie and Reggie Gray. Um, but for me, it's just how Tom Hardy has this ability to, because he both he plays both Ronnie and Reggie, and how he can he can go through a two hour film. Yeah, there'll be kind of breaks in between scenes and stuff, but how he can switch between playing one brother to playing the other brother. Um, again, Tom Hardy's one of those one of those actors uh, like Alan Rickman, who has range. You know, if thinking, you know, he's, he's you know he's played Bane, uh, Charles Bronson. Uh, he was in Peaky Blinders, but again, I don't think. I think because he's got that that hard man exterior about him, I think it works perfectly. Um, wasn't there a wasn't there a, wasn't there a, queer, a craze film out in the eighties that had that bloke from Spandau Ballet in it or something? Yeah, I think it was both brothers from Spandau Ballet. Yeah. Uh, but I just think Tom Hardy in that film is is amazing. Um, I didn't think Tom Hardy, as I was trying to say, was when um, have you seen? Oh, what's the Star Trek film that he's in, where he where he plays a clone? Of Jean-Luc yeah. mm-hmm. I didn't really, I didn't really rate him in that, but I didn't rate the film to be honest. Yeah, I thought I thought it was uh, uh, amongst the worst, if not the worst, Star Trek films. Oh God, what's it called? It's not Insurrection, is it? I can't remember what it's called, but it's so forgettable. Uh, apart well, from I'll... the fact it's got Tom Hardy in it, but um, Tom's not very good in it. He plays a little slender. Uh, clone of Jean-Luc Picard who's much younger because he's been cloned way after Jean-Luc but um, that's one of the things about when I said the smaller thing have you noticed his weight between depending on what role he's playing he can be massive um, like he was in Bane they did pad him out a bit but some of other films I've seen him in where he's like bulks up he's actually massive yeah I don't know how he does well I don't know how he does it <laughs> I don't know how he does it uh, to order like that all that uh, gaining and losing weight is not healthy, to be honest. But yeah, he's a good actor. I like Tom Hardy. I love him in Peaky Blinders, to be honest. Uh, Mr. Solomon's and all that business. But yeah, that's my that's my top five. Well, I can't really disagree with many of them, but I'm coming with some big ones here. And some of them, actually, you even you might not have heard of. So you'll be Googling to pretend you know what I'm talking about. So my first one is uh, uh, another lady, apart from Jodie Foster, that uh, that I absolutely love. And I didn't really rate this lady. I thought she was just a, a, a pretty girl. Uh, you know the Lost in Translation thing, you know, Scarlett. Yeah. yeah. And all that. And I just didn't really rate her. However, however, from Avengers Assemble, right, um, in that warehouse with those with those Russian gangster soldier types, yeah? From that moment, she could be 
the only woman who can ever play the Black Widow for me. Scarlett Johansson. That I'm impressed with the casting. She does a brilliant job. But if you'd have said to me, who would you cast in that role um, before that series started, I would not have cast Scarlett Johansson. She is absolutely brilliant in that role. She manages to um, convey coolness with the ability to defend herself with fearlessness. And she's just brilliant. Uh, the looks things help, but apart from that, her acting and her, uh, the way she plays that part, no one else can play Black Widow. She, she carries it off like no other person on this planet could. She's brilliant. And whoever cast her in that part was inspired. That is genius because it works perfectly. She's faultless as the Black Widow, apart from in that film that she made called Black Widow, which is awful, but there you go. I kind of feel that, like, if you look at it on paper, Scarlett Johansson is the Black Widow. It's a bit like when you walked in that first time to watch Unhinged. Or you read about the, you know, the film, remember the film Unhinged? Yeah, yeah, Russell Crowe. Yeah, you're thinking, ah, that, this is just rubbish, come on now. But then, all of a sudden, unbelievable. Yeah, she's brilliant. I can't, I can't follow. I've seen some other stuff. What, what's the? Is it Lucy as well? The um, yeah, uh, the French guy, the Luc Besson film, which yeah. you loved, and I thought was just about all right. It's a great film. I thought it was all right. That ending, so predictable. I just didn't. Uh, Luc Besson is one of those directors. I think is massively overrated. By the way. Um. Bit like, your coach. bit like your coaching, really, then, isn't it? Element as well. Is that one of his? Yeah. Yeah, not nah. Overrated. But yeah, Scarlet, brilliant. She can be the only person who can play the Black Widow, the Black Widow. Everyone else can go and not and just get another character to play because there is only Black Widow, one Black Widow for me. She's magnificent. My second one, you're going to agree with Geordie Mann. And that is The Gentleman. This is an inspired casting because this is another one on paper doesn't even make sense. And that is Hugh Grant playing Fletcher in The Gentleman because for the last 20 odd years, Hugh Grant has been typecast as uh, incompetent, buffoon, posh boy, blah, 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 all that business, foppish, posh boy and has made countless amounts of cash playing that same part. And in The Gentleman, he's cast to something completely different. He is dodgy in The Gentleman. He's seedy. You can't trust him. He's selfish. And again, if you'd have looked on, if you'd have read that part before they actually cast it, and then Guy Ritchie said, I'm going to cast Hugh Grant in that, you'd have laughed your head off. Because theoretically, based on everything that you knew before then, he's not the man for that part. What are you saying, Geordie, man? For once, Liz, well, for one of the very few times, complete and utter agreement with you. That is a fantastic casting. That is an unbelievable casting. It's risky. It worked, though. 
it worked massively. And I've heard people say, oh, well, I can't watch The Gentleman because Hugh Grant's in it. That was my original view, because I go and see everything, um, because um, uh, the height of ignorance is not listening to what people have to say uh, or going to see something for yourself, just making judgments based on what you've heard. And based on everything I knew before that film, Hugh Grant could not play that part. And he was magnificent. And I use that word a lot on this podcast. I've noticed when I listen to him back on like Tuesdays and that. He was, he was actually magnificent in that film. He's so dodgy and so seedy. And do you know the bit that makes me laugh? This is how dodgy a geezer is. You know that bit when he comes out of a room and there's somebody, there's a couple of guys moving a dead body? Yeah. And he kind of just looks at them, doesn't ask any questions, he just carries on. <laughs> this is how dodgy the geezer is. And don't like, don't bat an eyelid either. He just looks at them and then walks away. And that's how dodgy this geezer is. And it's totally like any other character up until that point that um, Hugh Grant had ever played. And I think what Richie did with him is the same thing that Tarantino did with John Travolta and made him play in a film the parts, the sort of part he should have been playing all his life, basically. Because I think he's been horribly typecast to something he um, potentially isn't really. He's a really good actor, and he's convinced me now that he's a really good actor. I kind of feel like Guy Ritchie has, you know, on the first day of filming, gone up to Hugh Grant and just said, I'll f*** the pal, go and have a laugh. Yeah, he's, he's brilliant. He's brilliant. You can't, you can't fault the geezer at all. Brilliant performance. Great fun, by the way, if anyone's not seen it. The Gentleman Guy Ritchie, usual twists and turns and, uh, and mad scripts and brilliant dialogue. Uh, very entertaining film um, and a few surprises in it as well. Right then, so this is where I get a little bit obscure, Geordie Adam. So my next one is from a film called Sexy Beast, which I think was made in the noughties. <laughs> yeah, that's a great film. <laughs> Sexy Beast, right? And uh, I'm talking about uh, Don Logan, played by... Um, uh, Sir Ben Kingsley. Right, so talk about being typecast. So up at this point, everyone thinks Ben Kingsley, Gandhi, right? And then in this film, uh, without giving too much about uh, what the plot's around, fundamentally, uh, London gangster and wife decide they've had enough of this thing, they're going to live in Spain, uh, live happily ever after. However, big London gangster in London sends Ben Kingsley to Spain to, to enrol said gangster into uh, one final huge robbery uh, so that everyone can retire happily ever after, really. Except uh, said Spanish London gangster don't really fancy it. But the character that Ben Kingsley plays, who's the recruiter for this job, is absolutely nuts. And what makes him come across as even more nuts is, first of all, it's Ben Kingsley. Right? Gandhi, right? Secondly, they make full um, use of the fact that Ben Kingsley is not a big geezer. So he's this little menacing geezer who everyone is terrified of it because you've got no idea what he's going to do next, who he's going to kill next, and who he's going to maim next because his reputation is just ferocious. And to see Ben Kingsley playing that sort of part just shows what an actor 
uh, what a great actor uh, Sir Ben Kingsley is because it's like no other part he's played before or probably since, to be honest. He plays an absolute nuts job. Brilliant film, um, a bit violent, a bit scary, a bit funny, um, and a, an underrated classic, I think, Sexy Beast. It's... Um... I think it's one of those films whereby it's a good introduction to gangster films. Yeah, it is. Because it's not overly violent. There's a there's bits, but it's quite funny as well as a film. Yeah, Ben Kingsley's really menacing though, isn't he, in that film? He's like yeah. super menacing. And like it's even more menacing because he's such a small, scrawny little geezer. Because you know that when people are scared of people like that, they are absolutely nuts and they'll do anything. Partly with so a great show. That's oh. a great show. Uh, possibly uh, the geezer that most ladies would like to marry, given a chance of any geezer on planet. Uh, and it's uh, uh, Brad Pitt. In, yep. And it's a soppy film, this. But he's so good, I can watch this film. I was watching it the other week with Three Point. Uh, Meet Joe Black. Okay. Where Brad Pitt plays uh, the Angel of Death. Come back, because there's been a bit of a mix-up, to sort some stuff out. That's all I'm saying. And um, imagine a creature, uh, a being, who's never tasted like peanut butter, <laughs> stuff like that. The way he pulls off the peanut butter spoon thing is just amazing. The way he plays that, the part where he knows how to get rid of people because he's the angel of death, but he doesn't know how to like conduct himself and live as a person in someone else's body because he's never done it before. And the film is brilliant. It's a bit sentimental at the end. Uh, it's got your mate Anthony in it, Hopkins as well. But uh, Brad Pitt's performance is fabulous. I overuse that word sometimes, but he's really, really good. And it's one of those parts that on the surface, again, if you watch the film, you would have never had you read the scripts before casting cast Brad Pitt in that role. He's absolutely brilliant. And I think Brad Pitt is one of the most underrated actors ever to set foot in Hollywood. He is absolutely brilliant. He's made some brilliant films, 12 Monkeys, where he plays that guy in the institution. He's absolutely fabulous. It was really good in Fight Club. In Troy, even though Troy is arguably one of the most overrated films out there, there's two good fights in there. The one with um, Achilles and Hector is a, one of the best fights you'll ever see in a film. Um, but Brad Pitt's brilliant. Love him. And so do the ladies. The ladies love Brad Pitt. I thought it was really good in, um, I say, Fight Club. Uh, yeah, I'd forgotten about Fight Club. He's brilliant in Fight Club. But I think Fight Club is um, stereotypically the sort of part you'd expect someone with the physical attributes of Brad Pitt to play. A yeah. bit like uh, Snatch as well. Uh -huh. Apart from the accent. It's the sort of thing, because he looks like, <laughs> like in, in, in Fight Club and in Snatch, my guy is in shape. He's not massive, but he's carved. So, um, yeah, they're the, they're the sort of films you expect him to play. Meet Joe Black, he's suited up all the time. Um, 
which is really good. So it's based basically on, uh, based basically, it's basically based on his acting ability and he pulls it off in a huge way, kiddo. And, finally, and we had this debate during your top five. The best casting for me ever. The one I'd have never guessed. The one that doesn't make sense when you read it on paper. It doesn't make sense when you read reviews, but then when you watch the film, it's the best casting in the history of Hollywood. Yep. And that is In the Dark Knight. It's Heath Ledger as the Joker. And I know you're disagreeing, but if you think of the other films that um, Heath Ledger had been in, like, was it 10 Things I Hate About You? Yeah. And all them bogus love stories and all them things with Julia Stiles and all, all that, and you're thinking, and then you hear this guy's playing the joke, you think, what's Chris Nolan going on with? However... Never before have I been this wrong about anything. And for me, even though Joaquin Phoenix was fabulous in Joker, I still think that uh, Heath Ledger's Joker is better. I'm going to agree to disagree on that one. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to... Don't get me wrong... It's a split decision, basically. You know, like in boxing terms, it's a split decision. I, I, but I just think that in terms of entertainment, Joker and The Dark Knight are both supremely entertaining, but in very different ways. So um, Joker is fundamentally um, a psychological story based on what apparently looks like a man's descent into madness can never work that out whereas the dark knight is fundamentally at its core a crime thriller basically action thriller if, if there is such a thing but both films are really clever both films are really well acted and the main protagonists in both films um, won Academy Awards. So it's universal that everyone thinks both performances are brilliant. I just happen to prefer um, Heath Ledger's performance I think, by a smidgen pal, not by much. I think it comes down to, um, I think the reason why both actors play, were great castings is because different angles. So, you know, if, if Joaquin Phoenix was in The Dark Knight or Heath Ledger played the Joker in The Joker, I don't think it would have worked. Does that make sense? Yeah, possibly. possibly. So I think they were the right casting for that particular Joker. Agreed. Yeah, I think so as well. Um, speak, speaking about Jokers, I have an honour. Go on then. Now, it's not portrayal of the Joker, it's for his portrayal from our recent role, and that's Jared Leto in The House of Gucci. I would second that one as well. Um, I would say I... I do Jared Leto, Adam, to be honest. Agreed. 
Agreed. My other... Actually, um, it also, in relation to that, I actually didn't believe Jared Leto prior to that could act. And I know people say, oh, his performance is a bit hammy. It's funny ass. Um, and I really liked it. And I only... Because it's one of those films I went to see. I didn't really check out the casting, so I didn't even know he was in the film. And about halfway through, I went I went to Free Point. I went, oh, Jared Leto. And then she she likes, he used to be in a band before he was an actor that were quite famous, apparently, in the 90s and that. But, uh, you know, not my sort of thing. You know, like them rock bands where they play music with dust and their stick, that sort of thing. And uh, she she's she really liked him, and she didn't recognize him. He's unrecognizable as a person. Um, and also, do you know how old this geezer is? He's old, man. He's he's like fifty odd. He looks about fifteen. I want some of that moisturizer. He's been rubbing upon him fierce. Honestly, he's doing he's doing all right. To be honest, he's like fifty odd. So, yeah, good, good honorable mention, good shout. I would go with that one. That's really good. I have, I have a second. Five. Why I, Geordie Man? I have another honorable mention, if it's okay, Lewis. Go on then. Um, and unless you've seen this film, listeners, you will not understand this. But it is, I think we might have, we've mentioned him today. It is Russell Crowe in Unhinged. Yeah, I love that film though. So, seen Unhinged. It's a 90 minute film. The first 15 minutes, you're thinking, what's, this, what's happening here? This is a right doo doo. But the, the, the remaining 75 minutes are probably up there in my top 10 75 worth of cinematic action. Uh, basically, Russell Crowe plays his character who he gets honked. This woman honks at him on the on the highway because he's not moving at the, on the green light of the the uh, traffic lights. And basically, for seventy five minutes, Russell Crowe gets vexed. And um, because of because of his physical appearance within the film. The whole thing just adds up to yo, my guy's crazy. Great film, great, great casting. Yeah, it's definitely um, uh, one of Russell's better films in recent times. Better than um, is it the Mummy that he did as well? That's all. Yeah. With um, what's his name? Tom Cruise and that. Yeah. Uh, P.S. Um, how do you feel about Top Gun the follow up? Um, having seen the trailers, uh, I'm not overly convinced, if I'm honest. Um, yeah. I've got to make a confession. Um, I've never seen Top Gun. So it's mm -hmm. one of those things before I go and watch this film, I'm going to have to um, yeah, go and watch it. I know people rave about it. Is it like nineteen eighty six or eighty seven or some something yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. Um, I never fancied it. Everyone says it's one of the best films ever made. I think that's a bit of hype, but um, I'm going to go and see it anyway. 
well, I'm going to watch it and then I'll go and see the second one anyway. The trailer looks kind of okay. Uh, but there's elements in there that because I've not seen the first film, um, some of the dramatic elements of this new film might not make sense to me. So I think I'm going to go and see... Oh, sorry. I'm going to watch the original and then go and see the new follow-up sequel um, at some point when they're out. But I'm also... I'm so- by the way, talking of going to see stuff, forget all of that. I'm going to see uh, Multiverse of Madness on Saturday afternoon. Oh, yes, Doctor Strange. Mm. What do you think? Is it going to be good? Is it going to be indifferent? Or is it going to be Gulak's? Um, I'm uncertain about it, just purely simply because of the way this particular Marvel phase has started. Um, I don't think it's been necessarily the strongest start to a, a Marvel phase of films. So I don't know. I know Spider Man was a big film, but I think they can't rely on that one that one film. So I'm hoping a big thing. But yeah, we'll I, mean, I hate Eternals, Adam, which has been well documented yeah. on this podcast. Because every time I get a chance to mention it, I will do. I hated Eternals. I thought that Shang-Chi was all right. I thought it was entertaining, apart from um, his little funny sidekick who's not funny. Um, I actually loved Spider-Man. And I don't know if you have mentioned this to you, going back on the um, uh, the Jared Leto team. Um, Morbius. Yes. I thought it was all right. Again, wasn't a fan. It wasn't a bad film. Have you heard about what they're doing in Thor: Love and Thunder? I don't. I, I've, I've, I've heard. Uh, I've heard things on the internet, but I'm not quite certain that they're correct because they can't possibly be correct if what I've heard is correct. So what I've heard, and what I've gathered from that first teaser trailer is that they're bringing in the Roman gods and Russell Crowe is playing Zeus in Thor Love and Thunder. Really? Mm-hmm. That's what I've heard. Wow. Russell Crowe Russell Crow will be good. Um, so, yeah. But in terms of Bringing in other gods. Does that happen in the um? Does that happen in the comics? You know, because I'm, I'm not. I've not read the comic books. So I don't know how the storylines went. I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure. But from what I've gathered, um, the Roman gods, their universe is they're calling it a pocket universe within the multiverse. Okay. Whatever that means. Um, but apparently, from what I've from what I've gathered, I think they do appear somewhere in the comics, because I think Odin and Zeus made some kind of deal with each other within the, this multiverse uh, deal to help each other out and stuff or something. Um, so, yeah. It is rumoured. It is rumoured. Well, it's not rumoured because I've checked it on IMDb, but IMDb yeah. says that Russell Crowe is playing 
massive are, are, are they talking about making um jane a god as well uh thor's lady friend yeah um she she's a trailer that i've seen not only is she um uh, a god but she has the power to yield Thor's hammer. Wield even, not yield. Wield. Yeah, yeah I, I'm not liking that at all. I'm not liking Because yeah. are, are they going with the She-Hulk th thing as well? I don't know. I don't know. I hope they don't. But uh, yeah, Jane definitely appears as Mrs. Thor and wields the, the, the hammer of Thor. And... Um, Russell Crowe is appearing as Zeus. Okay. Interesting stuff. I'm not convinced by the direction that um, this phase of uh, the cinematic universe is going down, Adam, to be honest. And I think that even though we may all go and see these things, if they're not careful, they may, they may start losing people. What we're getting at the minute um, I know Spider-Man, they did a really good job, but there's been a lot of stuff that's been related to the the MCU or the latest situation of the MCU that we're not liking. So uh, tenuous links with the Venom films, eh, don't like those, didn't like Eternals at all. Um, Morbius was okay. Shang-Chi was okay. We're looking at about, I don't know, a 40% hit rate at the minute in terms of decent films with like 60% of them being pants. Or if well, you look at the whole MCU end-to-end, -to -end, there's 20 odd films, I reckon five or six are good. And the others are kind of either all right or not very good at all. Well, you were pleased to know, Louis, from what I've seen from the teaser trailer. Um, there is a big demasculation of Thor. He becomes all flowery. Yeah, you can't, you can't, you can't do that to Thor. You can't do that to Thor. Uh, do you know what I'm terrified of? Um, as we'll wrap up this little this little segment about the MCU. So the, the 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 film that set the whole comic book thing off and proved that comic book films could be serious and could be good, as serious as a comic book can be, was Blade. Yep. And currently, the way. Uh, Disney Marvel are handling things, they are going to blow Blade when they reboot. Do you not think? It's... Um, I think it's going to take a lot for them not to blow it, I think. Yeah, there's a, there's an element of PC-ness that's going to blow this thing. And an element of them... Not looking like they have a strategic direction in in, in terms of how they want to um, expand, extend, um, and keep the MCU going. I, I just I just think they're just making films at the minute, and then finding tenuous links between films that they're heading for. What they're trying to do is to head towards eight years from now or ten years from now, another climax in in the kind of fashion style of. Um, Endgame and Infinity War, Infinity War and Endgame as they are. And I think they're just not building that sort of tension at the minute. I heard rumour that they're creating or they're looking at filming uh, Avengers Final War. 
but how are they going to do that? It's not going to work because um, two of your big hitters are gone, aren't they? So the captain's gone and yeah. um, Black Widow's gone. And really, once you strip them out of the Avengers, they're the brains behind the thing, aren't they, really? Um, I said two, three, no Tony Stark either. But how, having looked into it, and from what I've heard, they talk about getting Tom Cruise in as um, uh, a multiverse version of, of Iron Man. Yeah, I know. Multiverse gives them the opportunity to recast anyone as anything, can't they? Yeah. And it allows them, multiverse also allows them to change the sex um, of, of characters as well. So um, the multiverse concept was um, in the comics, I believe. But it's going to be used now to recast everyone as girls, I think. And to be more inclusive and diverse. So, um, which I've got nothing against, providing you do it properly and bother to write good stories and that you have antagonists that are worthy. Thanos, in terms of um, antagonists, is probably second only to Vader, isn't he? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not sounding too optimistic. I'm hoping that Doctor Strange will be good this weekend. And listeners, I will tell you all about it in the next podcast. And hopefully Jordi Adam will have seen it as well. Are you going to try and get to see it this weekend, Adam, or are you, are you going to be one of these men who does it on the Thursday night? Oh, no, I'm not, I'm not, that, uh, I'm not that committed. But I want to try and see it as, as relatively sensible as I can before next Sunday. Yeah, you'll be, you're a Friday afternoon man, isn't it? Or a Friday morning when you're not working, man, aren't you? Yeah. Right then. But before we go, Adam, we didn't do much at the beginning about just chatting about things. So I've got one more thing to raise. And I know you're going to duck this one, but I'm not. What about this geezer in the house of Parliament watching stuff on his phone, dude? <laughs> Mate, like... It, see... I can't even think of a way that you can link whatever it is that you're watching to tractors. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Unless he's watching some crazy level stuff from the dark web, I can't make the link. Do you know what I thought initially? And, I sound, and again, this is happening a lot recently, so I'm going to start worrying. I, I, I like to think the best of people, right? And there's certain WhatsApp groups, yeah? Well, if my phone buzzes and I'm at work, I am not reading that message. Yeah. <laughs> certain man, certain man in WhatsApp groups, you're like, that phone buzzes at work, and I'm thinking, I will look at that message when I hit the car on my way home. Yeah. Um, and I thought this geezer in my head had 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 opened a WhatsApp message he shouldn't have by accident and then clicked off it, but someone had seen what had popped up. Because that can happen to anyone, can't it? Yeah. You get sent um, a message, you open it, and it's not quite what you thought, you know, because somebody demand them, you know, are a bit dodgy and that. And I thought that had happened, but apparently not, because he's doing the apology thing and all sorts, which means he was actually doing what man thought he were doing, which is... found out. There is a time and a place for everything. And I know what he's doing wasn't illegal, but it also wasn't appropriate in the workplace. So... Yeah, it's a bit it's peak for man explaining that to your wife, kid. 
I know. I just can't imagine. He, it must have been peak for him when he got home. <laughs> <laughs> so he's all right laughing. But you, ex- everyone knows as well. Imagine if you're one of his kids. Your dad looks at stuff at work. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll say stuff. I won't say the, the word it was, but your dad looks at things at work. Do you know what I mean? See, grandkids. imagine your grandkids, your granddads are, yeah. do you know what I mean? Not to lower the... It's peak. Not to lower the tone or anything, but can you imagine if it was his own internal CCTV system? You mean it was like homemade stuff? Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine that? Oh, no. No, it's peak. Do you know what, though? Um, I think it's just a bit silly of him. And... Um, there's nothing else I can say. There's nothing else I can say. He's 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 in so much trouble, and he's virtually as well, Adam. If you think about what this does to him, he's now virtually unemployable. Yeah. Which again well, is, is is something that's uh, that's quite sad. Listeners, so, um, listeners, if you don't know what we're talking about, go on to the B. I'm sure it'll be on BBC News. There are other news outlets available. Um, and just look for MP tractors, and you'll get the full story. Right, now, Adam, can I ask you a question? Because um, we were talking down the track today, um, me and the guys that are coach about this, and you know, I said it's not illegal. Yeah, would you resign? Yeah. <laughs> I would. Yes. Would you? Yeah. See, when I like like fifteen years ago, yeah, I would have. Ten years ago, I would have. Five years ago, I would have. But now, I wouldn't. It's not. It's it's not palatable. Um, uh, it's obviously he's not thinking about what he's doing. You don't know what his mental state is. I'd have ridden it out, if that's an appropriate term. But you know what I mean. I, I'd have <laughs> I'd have sat it out. I'd have apologised because and sincerely apologised. But I'm not resigning because it's not illegal. It's just stupid. And that that probably is a controversial view. But I'm not resigning. End of day, I'm not doing anything illegal. I'm doing something that is inappropriate at work. Um, but nowhere in anyone's rulings or guidance does it say that you can't do that. And I know I'm getting him off on a technicality. But when you look at it objectively, he just shouldn't have done it. And he should apologise. But I don't think he should lose his job, providing he's doing his job to a, to a sufficiently... So, um, let me put this to you. Then he shouldn't resign. He should apologise. He should be made to look silly for what he's done. But I don't think he should, he should, he should not have to resign. It's not illegal. So, is what he did... Less worse than what Matt Hancock did. Right, so what Matt Hancock did technically uh, was against the law. But surely what he did was against parliamentary standards, no? It's not written anywhere, is it? It's just it's just an inferred rule, isn't it? Because no one's ever thought. Um, to put in the rules that you shouldn't do that. It, says, it must say somewhere in, in the parliamentary standards that about um, expected behaviour whilst in the House of Commons. 
Yeah, but the, the problem with that, in, in in terms of in terms of the law, I'm not trying to defend him here, by the way, because I, I have said he, he's stupid for doing what he's done. But how do you, where does it say that viewing what he was viewing is not appropriate? Yeah, but if you did that, then the 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 list would be ridiculously long. Yeah, but I I also think the 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 list should be documented, and if it was in writing then we could nail people for doing stuff. At the minute, everything is based on gentlemanly conduct, isn't it? There are no no hard and fast rules. There are fewer, sorry, there are a few around declarations you have to make about other income and stuff like that. However, it's all based on what's deemed to be gentlemanly conduct, and that changes over time, doesn't it? So would, would it not be stated somewhere within the the IT or the Wi-Fi terms and conditions. If you use this Wi-Fi, you can't do this, that, the other. Who said he was using his Wi-Fi? He might have been on his data. Because that's what I, I, in all probability, in view of the content that he was viewing, he's going to do that um, on his own data. Because if he did that via the parliamentary Wi-Fi, people would see that. Yeah, but if he... If, 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 if he didn't see him physically looking at the videos... Um, there is a there is the potential for someone to look at that website and go, oi, oi. So I think he would he would this is if he's remotely rational, be using his own data, in which case that wouldn't be covered by uh, the use of government IT and stuff, unless his phone belongs to. But if he but if he's not rational enough to realise that he shouldn't be watching that in the House of Commons, is he really gonna think, well, I'm gonna be on my data? Possibly. Possibly. I, I don't know. It's, it's really difficult, but I, I, I just feel that it's one of those, you slap his hands, tell him to stop being a naughty boy and let him carry on doing what he's doing and let the people decide at the next by-election. I would disagree with you on that one, but... I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I'm not going to uh, strenuously argue about um, your point of view because I think it is borderline and I get where, where people like yourself and I think he's resigned, hasn't he? Uh, I don't know if he has or not, but others talk yeah, about it. Yeah. But um, he's done the apology to. I don't, I don't. Anyone who says he should go, I wouldn't argue with you. I personally wouldn't. It's just one of those things. It's a bit dodgy. You look a bit silly. His wife, his kids, and his grandkids probably aren't too happy about it because they're going to get ripped when they go out. But uh, now, um, I think we've got more pressing things to worry about. And I know there's all the other stuff around um, uh, harassment and stuff floating around in Parliament, but uh, Europe's at war at the minute, so let's worry about these geezers afterwards. And that's me out, kid. What else are you doing this week, out? Um Not a lot, really. I've had a new, I've had a new athlete start this week, so just trying to get him bedded down in terms of getting used to the style of training and stuff. Um, I've got a new kid starting next week, football, who's got a, a single leg vertical jump of three foot two. Okay, which is which is pretty good to be fair. Um, that's from that's on standing as well, so. A little bit of potential there. Uh, and then, yeah, just 
visiting the cinematic mecca that is Cineworld. How about you? As we speak, well, as we speak, over the course of this weekend, yesterday and today, um, I've had a battalion of sprinters at the British University Champs. And um, we've had a pretty good couple of days so far with one day to go. So uh, they only got a bronze in the women's 100. Um, Harry Hansaker ran a PB, personal best, in the heat, got through to the semi. Elijah Lewis, he got a PB in the heat. First time out, so he's pretty pleased. Um, and then in the 200s today, um, the three kids that I've got who ran the 200s all got through the heat and going to the semis tomorrow. So um, it's looking good for the team. And uh, over the next couple of weeks, season really kicks off. So um, we've got there's some British League matches next week. And also in two weeks... Well, two weeks today are the county champs as well, where we hope to go and pull some medals and that. So, uh, yeah, it's looking all right. But it's going to be a long and grueling season. And the next 12 weeks is going to be a real pain in the rear, to be honest. Loads of races, loads of championships, all condensed into that 12-week period. And once we get to July, mine will be wasted. And that includes the coach as well, to be honest. So we'll see what's going on, kid. So, Jordy, man. Let's draw this thing to a close. Tell man where they can find you. You can check me out on the old Spotify. Uh, just search for the Pursuit of Happiness podcast by me, Adam Rogers. Where can we find you, Lewis? You can find me on Instagram as the Silent Underdog Seven, where I'll be posting some trailers to my other podcast, actually, uh, which is related to. Um, Track talk, which is just me and the guys that I coach talking about anything we want to talk about track around the track. So that would be films, races. It's been boxing the first two episodes. Um, episode four, which is going to go out a week on Monday, you're going to be on, Adam. Okay. We're, going to do some, uh, we're going to do some chat about Marvel DC and the cinematic universe and the TV series. So we might need input from you, Geordie Man, on that one. Um, so we're going to look at me, Dom, reality, you and... Regan O'Connell. Also, um, you can find me on YouTube as the Silent Underdog 7, and there's some car conversations on there where I talk about things and that. And that's the end of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, people. Uh, tune in to our next week's podcast where we will be talking about what, Adam? Our top five most stupid conspiracy theories. Yeah, that, that's going to draw two rants from me, that one, isn't it? Yeah, we need to confirm <laughs> notes on that because I think we're really similar on what we hate. So we might need to come up with five each after we've conferred. Can't just roll up to that one because we'll just be the same, I think. So yeah, I agree. we need to confirm on that one. That'll be good. That's it, listeners. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll catch you on the next podcast in a bit. Laters. Thank you for listening.